Hello and welcome to BakaCast for, uh, I guess I should do this by weeks now because it's not like we're doing seasons anymore. Yeah, uh, sure, I'll just say BakaCast that we're recording on the week of July 20th, 2018. There. Hey. What more do you want? Uh, I, I am your host Dustin and with me today is Larry. Really? We're recording. Yes, the little needle's jumping up and down, so we're recording. Ben. Yo. And Aaron is stuck between some couch cushions somewhere. <laughs> I gotta get my chirping crickets out. As always, you can find show notes at www.projectharahi.net uh, or at audioentropy.com. And uh, for this week, uh, we will be talking about... Uh, it's going to be a very Type Moon-centric episode today. Uh, we will be covering uh, the final episode of FLCL Progressive. But first, um, since Fate Extra recently was released on Netflix, I figured now would be the perfect time to not only finish up reviewing the TV series, because uh, there are a couple movies that are going to be released later on. I believe the first one is in August. Um, and also Heaven's Feel, uh, part one. Uh, so we're going to be talking about those two things first. Uh, so yeah, let, how about that Fate Extra last encore, uh, I guess episodes eight through 10, which, uh, finish off the TV series from, you know, where we left off. Uh, yeah, except it's not really, it hasn't really finished anything. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it fi it's finished in the same way that the next the, the Netflix Castlevania is finished. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. And that, you know, there there will be more. Um, but yeah, I I really enjoyed episodes 8 through 10. Um, it very much deals more with sort of the backstory the backstory of both um, the main character uh, as well as Nero. And even, I, well, not not exactly the backstory, but like recent history of Rin and Rami, is it? Uh, uh, Rami. Rami, yeah. Um, and goes in some very interesting directions with it. Uh, the most exciting of which is that uh, female protagonist for uh, Fate Extra, Fate Extra CC, and Fate Extella is confirmed as canon. <laughs> sort of. Which makes me happy. <laughs> well, no, look, it's in, a, it's in a TV series. It's canon. <laughs> yeah. As far as anything can be canon in Nasu works. <laughs> right. Yeah, well. Because, like, yeah, because... Tentatively canon until proven otherwise. Because the thing about fate is that what is canon contains multitudes. <laughs> oh, yeah. there's a whole lot of uh, alternate world... There's a whole lot of alternate world crap going on, so... There's, like, craploads of timelines that are equally canon... Yeah, but also so far, um, at least at least for this version of, of Last Encore, uh, this particular timeline, um, it's it's very clearly a direct sequel to Extella, which itself was a direct sequel to uh, to the original Fate Extra video game. So, 
my 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 proclivities for p- uh, playing a female avatar in those games has been rewarded. Um, also, also, it does. Uh, uh, if it wasn't clear before in some of the earlier episodes, it's even more blatant now that Nero is definitely bisexual. So uh, that's also N- nice. Nero or is pansexual. Not... Yes, there whichever you, go. you prefer, <laughs> whichever terminology you prefer. Um, yes. N- Nero cares not. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that, that was interesting to me uh, and I had a little bit of issue with was um, sort of Nero's backstory uh, where they kind of gloss over some things that didn't necessarily fit into their narrative of how Nero <coughs> actually was. Uh, for example, executing Christians. I mean, kind of hard to... To be fair... <laughs> This is they. We're already rewriting history with everything. Yeah, so this is true. Uh, but also, like in in normal circumstances, I would be. Uh, I'd just say, well, fate doesn't really care that much. Uh, but I think, like in this instance, you could. Because uh, also, I think it's more interesting to try this. But I think you actually could make a narrative argument for why. Nero's history seems to be getting like glossed over some of the more uh, troubling aspects because like Fate Extra Last Encore is is primarily a show about (coughs) echoes Um, echoes of both the past uh, in terms of how the narrative is structured um, echoes of people uh, in that the main character like the main characters are literally a uh, an AI construct of a main character from Fate Stay Night, uh, a ghost made up of a bunch of dead people centered on the memories of a master who existed in the previous games, uh, and a servant who you know keeps getting resummoned. Like uh, everything about this show is centered on um, iterations of things that have come before and whether those whether or not those iterations are still the same or if they are somehow unique because of how they were iterated uh because of how whether or not the echo has been distorted along the way um so i think you could make an argument that uh nero's backstory is accurate to how nero right this nero replica remembers her history and while that may not be accurate, it's how she chooses to believe that she was in her real life and how she wants to be um, in her in her current life. Uh, but that that may be giving too much credit. But uh, I okay. <laughs> well, okay. I got another. Uh, well, I'm going to defend that from another angle, which is uh, the thing about Roman history is that a lot of it you got to take with a grain of salt. Because uh, yeah, uh, because the sources are unreliable, to say the yes, least. This is this is certainly true, and especially with more divisive figures in Roman history like Nero, uh, there is certainly plenty of you know actual history scholars that would say since a lot of the uh, history was written by uh, aristocrats, uh, people who were not necessarily the average Roman public. Uh, Nero 
did do uh, a lot of stuff um, that would be considered socially progressive for the time, and or I guess more populist for the time, uh, in that he did try to spend more attention on um, the lower classes rather than the elite. And so there definitely was some bias sort of inherent in the histories that were written by the elite. But also there's some things that it's it's difficult to wave away with just, you know, bias reporting. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, but right, but For like, exa- yeah. but but yeah, but like, but stuff like but stuff like Nero fiddling as Rome burned, that is almost certainly and not accurate and just, you know, made up by people who wanted to make Nero look worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, but no, but just saying that, yeah, that like this picture of Nero coming from is basically, you know, as kind of, well, kind of self-serving in a way and that like, like all the stuff we get about Nero's backstory comes from her memories and her memories are like, you know, she probably, you know, doesn't want to remember the things that, uh, conflict with her self-image yeah which which i think like also ties into uh sort of the the themes of the show of like people you know <clears throat> like especially when you think about like uh ghost face or i can't remember what dead face. the name is dead face but yeah especially with dead face like trying it's an interesting contrast to dead face sort of like taking the opposite approach where um, because of the memories he doesn't remember, he assumes that he is somehow lesser for it. Um, So it provides an interesting contrast, uh, especially when he, in episode nine, I believe, or is it 10, um, sort of blurs together but he sort of breaks down in front of nero and is like i can't possibly live up to your previous master um you know i'm just like a ghost i'm just i'm just a dead thing that is like an amalgamation of all these other people i'm not my own person and nero interrupts him and is like so what (laughs) yeah yeah that like I think I commented on this in uh like when we were talking about the episode the uh, earlier episodes, but I really admire how clever the show was at basically using like the kind of how the uh, the thing about how video game protagonists are usually blank slate type characters that don't have a personality of their own because they're designed to be played by the player. And the player basically, you know, puts themselves into that character. But, yeah. But, and, and what I really admire is how clever the show is at, like, at leaning into that and, like, making the fact that Ghostface doesn't have a personality of his own into a character flaw that needs to be overcome. Yeah, like, we, we've seen, shows where that sort of blank slateness is used as a plot point but rarely is it used as an actual source of internal conflict and something for the main character to overcome um 
and I, uh, while I was initially very skeptical of the choice, it's worked out very well, and I think it, it's been written very well. Um, so, like, consider myself impressed by, uh, you know, for how skeptical I was. Consider consider me impressed by how well they've handled it. <laughs> To to the point where like I actually uh, I actually like think it was a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, wh- what are your thoughts, Aaron? I sort of dominated that conversation for a bit. No, I agree for the most part with you. I don't really have All much right. to add right now. <laughs> uh, one one thing like I sort of getting deeper into the like the show again i i kind of like how like shaft is not going to animate fight scenes as good as ufo table does um like this is what ufo table is known for and and, uh, and they realize this yeah and they know that so they're like the fights are going to be secondary like that's not going to be the point of this series uh the point of this series is going to be how the fights actually affect the characters both like emotionally and physically um because like nero is going through these fights like having already like like fought and defeated many of these servants before um dead face is going through them a sort of like not really understanding why and kind of resenting the fact that he he needs to uh kill these people um but also he doesn't see a better way um and as we find out in episode 10 like rin and ronnie have been locked in this endless battle to the point where their like sort of true original selves have gone basically comatose um and like again like with the, with the theme of echoes this uh like the the moon cell has kind of become a broken system it is no longer functioning as it should because it has had to repeat the this holy grail war so many times um and that <coughs> that sort of that endless war has taken its toll on literally everybody who has been shown in the story and it's like especially they go to great lengths to showcase that with the enemy servants as well where like even shinji like he's sort of the biggest asshole um in this show and probably the one you most root for being murdered um even he like has been even he does what he does because he has been so worn down by the endless repetition of murder uh so rather than like make like there are certainly fight scenes where cool stuff happens but the focus is not on wow sick animation uh the focus is on like this sucks this is bad it needs to stop (laughs) Well, and look at what it's doing to all these people. <laughs> well, also, well, okay, yeah, Shaft, like, yeah, their their animation isn't the best, but they're really good about about coming up with evocative imagery. 
Yeah. Yeah, like, all, all their arenas, like, all the places that these characters encounter are more visually striking than almost anything else I've seen in the Fate series. Well, yeah, because, like, yeah, like, the main Fate series, well, okay, they're fighting in a city. Uh, you yeah. know. Sometimes it's a well-animated city. Like, they, like there, there are certainly scenes I remember distinctly for their visuals um, from the UFO table adaptations, uh, particularly like uh, Saber's final confrontation against um, uh, Caster uh, in Fate Zero. Uh, but yeah, like you don't really remember them for the like the unique environment design because it's yeah, like as you mentioned, it's a city. It's a well animated city, but it's a city. Whereas like Shaft, be- Shaft is essentially taking the idea of the moon cell being this virtual world and just running with it where they can kind of just make every, anything they want much like they did in uh, much like they've done for Monogatari where they make environments that look familiar, but are like twisted in some way to become surreal versions that couldn't actually exist in reality. <coughs> Yeah, or uh, more to the point, like the uh, uh, like the environments in Madoka Magica. Yeah, like when they when they you know when the characters go fight the witches and they they end up in these like like uh, these like uh, crazy dreamscapes. Yeah, yeah, which uh, style used to great effect in. Um the uh, Alice's uh, arc as well as the uh, flashback sequence for Nero um, where a, a very similar style <laughs> like basically like the, the style they use for the flashbacks in Monogatari uh, like is the exact same one they use for Nero's backstory as well <laughs> which I appreciate um, but yeah I, I really like what they've done with the visual storytelling as well as the writing like uh, one of the things i most appreciate about fate extra last encore is that while i enjoy most of the the fate series and i think all of them have you know at least something to offer um even if they're not necessarily the best looking at you fate apocrypha um but like there, there's always something like there that's interesting but rarely Rarely would I say that, oh, the, the best part of the Fate series is the, like, themes that the show tackles and, you know, the internal conflicts. Like, I even even Fate Zero, you know, uh, written by, uh, adapted by Gen Urobuchi, like, even that show, like, it had, it had better character arcs than I'm used to seeing, but it didn't really have a particularly strong thematic through line to tie everything together uh which is why it could feel a little bit disjointed at times uh, at least at least for me whereas with fate extra they have something they want to say um and it manifests in everybody's storyline just in different ways um which is like i, I feel like i there's a lot more depth to this particular particular story than i have seen in other fate uh fate entries which i'm not sure if you agree with me on that aaron 
I feel like this is is definitely more interesting than the other fate animes. Um and but it it's weird in that I'm not sh I, I like even after 10 episodes I'm still not sure what their their like what the end goal is because at the end of the 10th episode we figure out what's going on with Rin and Rainey, and that comes to a conclusion. And then it's just like, alright, so let's finish this up. And then we're yeah, apparently and... getting a two-hour movie, I guess? Yeah, like, the, the movie, that is the one problem, is that we don't have complete picture yet. Like, I can make guesses about what the movie is going to be about, just based on, like, how, like, the the show has gone so far. Um, in that it, it kind of seems like it's set up for Deadface to destroy this cycle uh, in some way change how the moon cell automata functions like at a core level um, <clears throat> but that's just speculation based on sort of the feeling I've got from the the themes they've explored so far I, I can't really know until the movies come out but yeah, yeah. It, it it's tough to compare an incomplete an incomplete story to the complete ones. So I get where you're coming from. Yeah, that's and why. Also, that's... And also, and also, I've only really experienced Fate <clears throat> in anime form. I tried to play through Fate Stay Night, but I found the writing in that to be just so absurdly wordy that I couldn't play more than like a couple hours <laughs> so uh, i am coming at a uh, sort of less informed uh coming at it with a less informed opinion than you probably are yeah i've only watched the fate anime myself uh i haven't even played any of like the uh other the other games like uh like Grand Order or the extra games or anything like that. Oh, <laughs> Grand Order is a gotcha game. You don't. Yeah, I know. You don't really need to. You're, you, there's some good stuff in it, but you don't really need to play it. Yeah, it wasn't gonna. Uh, <laughs> uh, Fate Extella is is fairly fun. Uh, Fate Extra is also is also interesting, but has an extremely weird gameplay system. Uh. So it, it's a little tough to recommend, but I do like Extella a lot, even though it is um, sort of just a, a just a passable uh, Dynasty Warriors clone. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm not sure. Do we have anything else we want to say about uh, Last Encore, at least uh, what we have of it so far? Uh, well... Uh, uh, no, I've got nothing. All right, uh, Aaron, is there anything else you want to say? Yeah, I like that we we learn uh, exactly how Ren is coming back every time, or rather reappearing. And you think she's just all being all mysterious and whatnot? It's just like no, she just has clones. Yeah, I do like that. It's it's a really clever subversion. On sort of your expectations, um, 
I was also actually kind of surprised by the fact that um, Deadface does end up like killing one of them. Um, granted, he tries he tries to save Ronnie, uh, but um, in that sort of situation, what I typically expect is the main character saying, "No, I'm not going to make that choice," and then either something worse happens or they manage to win the power of love and friendship. Like in Fate Extra, he doesn't like it. He tries to find a way out, but he still makes the choice, knowing that you know Ronnie is going to die if he fails. Um, which um, was unexpected for this type of show. Um, also, I'm glad he chose to let Rin live. <laughs> Just uh, out of my own personal bias. <laughs> yes, because Rin is best girl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ronnie's Ronnie's nice. No, no, no. You know, uh, no shade against Ronnie, but Rin Rin's better. I do really like the uh, the fight scenes between the Rins and the giant Ronnies. Yeah, those were really good. Uh, and, and just the environment they were in also was very cool, especially like when they step onto the ice field and it's just just tons of like shattered Rin and Ronnie clones just frozen in the ice and they're like, what? And, and, like for the first time, Nero looks at it and goes, yeah, nope. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. Let's get out of here. <laughs> it's the very first time we've seen Nero, like, actually just straight up shaken and, like, don't want any part of this. Um, but, yeah. I I really like this show. Um, I'm going to give... Even though it has its, its stumbling points, I... Yeah, I like it enough that I think I'll give it a five. Uh, I will give it a... I will... Well, I'm going to give it an incomplete. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh, I will, uh, which... But I'll, I'll revisit this. I'll revisit this when the, uh, when the movie comes out. Yes, definitely. Um... Do you want do you want to rate it, Aaron, or or like uh, Ben? Do you want to wait for the movies? Um, I mean, I'll give what we've seen so far a five. I really like what they did with it, and how, like, regardless of your knowledge of the Fate universe, you can pull something from it. Yeah, um, it, it's definitely one of the one of the shows where. It's one I feel like I could suggest to someone who's not really familiar with Type Moon that much. Um, and while like there may be a couple things I would need to say to give some context, like it's like genuinely good, uh, uh, and I think would would hold yeah. someone's interest. Yeah, with the disclaimer that uh, you got to make sure that uh, whoever you're recommending this to is not allergic to the Shaft style, because yeah, this is true. <laughs> because if they don't like the Shaft style. That's going to be a deal breaker. <laughs> yeah, um, which I sort of, which I guess brings me to sort of like the the ending of this segment. Um, normally, I don't bring up other reviews of shows on the podcast because, <laughs> like, it's kind of irrelevant. Um, you know, other other reviewers like can think what they want about shows. I don't particularly care. Um, I don't really tend to feel like it adds anything if I were to bring them up. But in this case, 
the discrepancy between our own feelings and it seems like the majority of other people uh, watching this show was so vast that when I found out, um, largely through initially through Fathomless Blue retweeting a uh, ANN um, sort of like casual review of of it, of it, that like I actually was surprised um, to see how many people to see how sort of how many people seem to dislike it like a lot. Uh, Maybe more like stunned. Yeah, like it, it's weird because usually I'm you I'm used to being the party pooper, uh, the one who like sees watches a really popular show and goes, eh, actually it's not so good or this sucks. It's weird for me to be on the other end, <laughs> where a bunch of people are saying this sucks and I'm going like, no, it's actually great. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, it's 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 just weird to. Uh, see not only from ANN but also from like the Netflix reviews I was looking at after I had finished watching it but like there's a bunch of one and two star reviews uh, of Fate Extra on Netflix whereas the other shows have much better averages like Apocrypha I've noticed tends to get like three or four star reviews uh, Unlimited Blade Works usually like gets four star reviews um fate zero a lot of four and five star reviews and i i like fate zero like i certainly like it more than say scamp did (laughs) Uh, i'd probably give that show a solid four Uh, so i like i don't necessarily disagree with the netflix reviews of it i i'm just i think what surprised me is like i don't understand what is so vastly different about Fate Extra Last Encore that it's turning off so many Type Moon fans where it is exactly what I want to see. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I think it's... Yeah, I think it's, like, the uh, the combination of, like, the Shaft style with, like, the Fate franchise... Uh, I think it rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah, and... I, I, that that was sort of my initial suspicion because the things it tends to uh, emphasize are not the things that um, a lot of Type Moon fans seems to come to the franchise for. Like we already mentioned that the art style is definitely um, well, the, the directing style is definitely very different. Um, as is as is like the direction of the fight scenes and things like that, but um, yeah, it's it's so interesting. You, but so the, you're saying so. I think well, another aspect I think uh, which might go more to uh, is that I think the structure of the show uh, I think it it kept people from getting invested in uh, getting in, invested in the characters. Uh, uh, I didn't have a problem. I didn't have a major problem with, but with it. But uh, I can sort of see how, like, <clears throat> the show doesn't really. Uh, it really. It it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't give the viewer 
uh, it doesn't give the viewer a lot, uh, like, like what, uh, what a lot of viewers need to get invested in the characters other than Nero. I mean, like the ANN, uh, like for instance, the ANN, uh, the ANN commentary on that, I did read that. I didn't, didn't read the Netflix reviews, but I did read that, and, like, I mean, like, they call, they refer to, uh, Deadface as, you know, a potato. As in, you know, they, they sort of, they... Yeah. They didn't really... What, what, what Scamp would call, like, Yuji every lead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. And, you know, but, uh, so they didn't really see, they didn't really get what distinguishes Deadface from your typical, well, video game adaptation protagonist. Yeah, and, and that's that's what's interesting to me because like, um, with with some of the with some of the comments I saw, it was almost like we were watching different shows, and this is not to like diss any of those reviewers. I just find it fascinating that like you know what is about Fate Extra that would that was sort of that was sort of like provoke these sorts of reactions or um like fail to engage people in the things it was trying to say and make that stuff clear as opposed to like the other shows which like uh, one of the reviews i saw said like oh this is too corny and i'm like so are literally so is literally every other fate show like there's not a single fate show that is not corny uh, Fate Zero, even like yeah, Genrubuchi like makes it darker and grittier. It's still pretty corny. <laughs> um, so it, it's there is something about Fate Extra, and, and maybe I may just need to sort of like this may take me some time to actually figure it out, or maybe I'll never figure it out. But there's something about Last Encore where like the similar similar things are presented in being presented in a different manner is enough to sort of make those same things negatives where they act, where they ordinarily would be positives. So you're <laughs> is saying it what so, seems like's going on here. So you're saying that even if there was a studio and directorial change that the storyline has issues also? I mean it's it's possible like one of the <laughs> things that I noticed in the ANN review was they were saying how confusing and complicated the storyline was um which is also interesting to me because like you know there you know it, it is like complicated but i didn't find it any more confusing than most other uh fate series like you know apocrypha is pretty straightforward but like with fate stay night and fate zero there were plenty of times where i like asked aaron like hey what the heck is going on here exactly um and like I did that a little bit for Fate for Fate Last Encore, but mostly is mostly it was like not really relevant to the actual like plot as it was happening, and mostly just fan wankery of like, hey, so where does this take place in the timeline? <laughs> That's not actually like super important for understanding the story as it's presented. So my um, question is, can the can the movie salvage it if they do the right thing, whatever that should be? I don't know. Um, like, uh, uh, again, one of the things I'm having trouble with is sort of like understanding the mindset of uh, the 
the people who are giving it one and two star reviews. So it's tough for me tough for me to really tell like what would fix that. Um, what would sort of fix the series for them? Um, I, I was mo- I mostly just it's mostly just interesting to me that there's such a disconnect between this show and every and like all the UFO table shows. Well, then my suggestion is once we post this, uh, hopefully we can generate a conversation that all. Uh, uh, some of those people who were, I don't want to say negativity, but weren't really positive about it. Uh, yeah, like maybe if, if you're maybe, listening to this. Yeah, maybe they can uh, stop by the site and uh, leave their two cents worth. Yeah, if you're listening to this and like you did not like uh, Last Encore at all and would rate it like one or two stars, I'm genuinely curious. Like I, I do not want, like I, I don't want this to seem like an attack at all. Um, because like it's genuinely not, uh, I it's it's all of this is just out of complete surprise, um, rather than any like hard well, feelings against know, people who don't like it. I, I I would be really curious to if if there's anyone listening to this who doesn't like it to sort of hear your more detailed thoughts about like what makes Last Encore um, so different from the other series. If you did in fact like really enjoy uh, the other series, I I think the key is. I think the I think the aspect of it is, uh, is is about it's about getting invested in the characters. I because yeah. I I run into that issue with a lot in that I'm a kind of I'm like the kind of anime watcher that doesn't have a problem getting invested in the characters, even if you know even if they're not particularly deep. I mean, I can generally like okay, you know, like these are their motivations. I'll go along with that. You know, I'll uh, I'll root for them as long as you know the characters don't do things that like really turn me off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, then you know, if like you know, so like if like a main character just does something that really awful, it pisses me off. Then yeah, I'll have a hard time getting invested in that character. But if they're just you know okay, they're the main character, you know. As long as uh, as long as they're not totally like, dislikable, then I'll go along with it, you know, and I'll follow and I'll you know, and I'll, I'll follow along with the story. Uh, but well, I think even go ahead. But uh, I think there are a lot of other viewers who really need a lot more uh, to get invested in the characters, and I think this show doesn't really give them that. Yeah, it is true that the show definitely has a hyper focus on um, Nero and uh, Deadface, and to a lesser extent, um, Rin. Um, but yeah, so I, I can I can sort of see that. I do. I uh, it would be interesting if if that was sort of the reason why. Because um, yeah, with with the other Fate shows, um, at least for the servants who don't die immediately. They tend to get a little bit more screen time, um, whereas generally the servants in this show get like one or two episodes, um, which works totally fine for me. I actually kind of like that really focused structure, um, but yeah, I guess I guess I could see how that would be a turnoff for, uh, for other people. I think, uh, yeah, yeah. Also, uh, also, I suspect that a big part of your enjoyment is that you are coming from a position of, like, having extra knowledge 
uh, about extra knowledge about the characters from uh, playing the games. Uh, I mean, because, like, you were, like, you know, like, fanboying on about all the, like, all the servant, you know, all the servant characters and, you know, that, you know, you get to meet over the course of the show. True, but really, like, um, that that's kind of only true for Nero. Like, Francis Drake gets, like, like she doesn't really get much more characterization in uh, Fate, the last encore, than she does in, like, uh, the original Fate Extra. Um, that's definitely true for Nero, though, just because she's been in so much. Um but all yeah, so like I, I can see that being true of Nero. Um But also like I think Last Encore, uh at least in my opinion, does the best job of characterizing Nero out of the the things I've seen her in. Um But yeah, that's that's my take on it. So I think to a certain extent you're right, but I also <laughs> I also don't think I'm. I also don't think like knowing that extra stuff adds that much uh, to the viewing experience. Uh, maybe not, but uh, but yeah, but the structure definitely. Yeah, the fact that the fact that each of like each of the characters, other than uh, you know, other than Deadface, Dero, and Rin, uh, basically only has one or two episodes to shine. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I should probably stop uh, trying to mentally analyze other people. <laughs> well, the other thing is, is you know, it, it was anime. There's a certain amount of um, can be silliness, and the disclaimer at you know the beginning of every anime says, "Hey, you know, if this happens to resemble somebody you know, no, we're not talking about them." So yeah, this yeah. is not the actual Nero. Yeah, so it's like you know, um, I. I I just would be interested uh, to see what other people have to say about what we've, uh, what we've, uh, what the can of worms we've opened up here, and see how many of them <laughs> crawl across the screen. I do All find right. it amusing that they just skip over the fourth floor. Yeah, like, yeah, like, like yeah, whatever. <laughs> like at the beginning, I think it's like episode eight. They're just like, huh, that fourth floor was something, wasn't it? Yep, sure was. And then just move on. <laughs> I, yeah, I kind of like that. Like, I get how that would piss some people off, but um, I think what makes it work for me is that they don't like tease what happened in it and then skip. They just skip it entirely. Unlike, say, in if you all if you remember from way back when, uh, the one fight scene in uh, "See the Money and Soul of Possibility." Oh God. Cool. <laughs> where where they have like a super dramatic lead up to like a, a final battle and then just completely bypass it like it all right we're fizzle. done now that, that was, uh, was like wow i was real impressed how you beat me back then i know yeah. right like, that sort of thing but pisses me off <laughs> that was, that's what happens when because they wrote themselves into a corner with how overpowered the enemy was compared to the main character, and the only way that they could resolve it was just like, yeah, he won spectacularly. No, we're not going to show you how. Uh, yeah. uh, Katana Gatari also did that, uh, but they sort of made a, made a joke about it. Uh, yeah. 
They they yeah, sort of if, they did that for humorous effect. Yeah, if it's like if it's like a service of a gag, um, that can definitely work for me. Um, in yeah, in Money and Soul, it just felt lazy. Uh, and again, like in Fate in Fate Last Encore, they don't lead up to it; they just skip over it, <laughs> like entirely. Yeah, like and, and 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 make a noodle incident out of it. Interesting. Yes, uh, they skipped uh, uh, Runru, the weird clown lady, who has yeah, uh, which... Vlad <laughs> as a servant. Uh, shall we but say... you know, that's fine. Like, I don't really care that much about Vlad. Oh, so <laughs> it's a different Vlad than Fate Apocrypha. All oh, right, it was. He uh, looks different. It's yeah, I can't remember. Is it Bur? No way! Fate, Fate Apocrypha had Berserker Vlad, the one in this. No Apocrypha. Nope. Apocrypha is a lancer. Yeah. Oh, okay. I got confused because his his normal form is the exact same as Berserker Vlad in Fate Grand Order. Oh, in Apocrypha, he was a lancer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. The the uh... all the various incarnations of Vlad the Impaler are. So like me. this is the one that is in uh is in I think Ranny's route. Oh no, okay. he's only fought in Rin's route. Ranny's route you fight a different lancer. <laughs> okay, I see. Okay, moving right <clears throat> along. Yeah, anyway, um so enough about uh Fate Extra. Let's talk about Fate Stay Night, Heaven's Feel, part one, who's Subtitle, I cannot remember off the top uh, of my head. Presage Flower. All right. I just thought it was like Presage Flower. Well, yeah, doesn't, whatever. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is the uh, first of three movies uh, focused on Sakura's route. Um, and they kind of take an interesting, uh, uh, interesting direction um, at the very start where uh, they sort of like give the backstory of how, like, Sakura and um, Shiro come to be close uh, before the actual mm -hmm. events of Fate Stay Night as we know it occur. Uh, and then they just kind of skip over the shared aspects of... Um, basically, the, the shared aspects of the Heaven's Field and Unlimited Blade Works route and just go straight to where the path diverges. Um, at least that was my interpretation. Is is that correct? Uh, I'm sorry. Say it again. So it, it seems like what they did is um, they start out by showing like before the actual events of the Grail War start, um, they show uh, how Sakura and Shiro became close, and then they sort of do a uh, time skip during the opening credits. Um, and then start off with where the um, Heaven's Feel route diverges from the other routes. Yeah. Yeah, and I, re I really like that they did that, how they did that. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a clever way of sort of condensing the story and like they kind of they kind of assume that you have seen Unlimited Blade Works already, which is a fair assumption if you are watching Heaven's Feel. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no need to like repeat themselves. 
Uh, well, okay, then you I'm don't understand curious, why I like, found it slightly confusing. So what? What? <laughs> I was I was a little bit confused because my memories of the early episodes of Unlimited Blade Works were kind of were kind of rusty. So, so I was like, okay, so they, uh, they basically use the opening credits to, they, they basically like, uh, they, you know, they, they have like the opening credits is like where Shiro summons Saber and I guess. he gets attacked by Lancer. Yeah. And then, so what's the point of divergence in this one again? Cause. Uh, like it showed at the end of the credits, um. Basically, when uh, basically Archer attacks him, and Saber either hurts him or doesn't hurt him, is the diverging point. Okay, so and it depends on I believe whether or not you recall Saber in the visual novel. Okay, so I, I guess since it, it's I just don't an, believe, it's just I don't an arbitrary point of change. Yeah, I don't believe we saw Saber being recalled, so the Heaven's Feel happens if you allow Saber to hurt Archer? I believe so, yeah, because it forces him to retreat uh, and uh, it forces Rin to uh, to basically just um, heal him. Uh, which means he's no longer there to intercept Berserker. Precisely. Okay. <laughs> right, okay, that clarifies things. <laughs> Yeah, because well, cause, like directly after that, like the first thing we see is um, Rin and uh, Shiro going to the chapel to meet with um, Kyrie. Uh, Kyrie and get some explanation for what the hell's going on, because uh, Shiro doesn't know what the heck a Holy Grail War is. Um, and yeah, after that, like uh, Ilya shows up and is like, I'm going to murder you, big brother. <laughs> Well, she wanted to murder Saber. Well, yeah, but also, like, I, I don't think she'd... Uh, it, it felt implied to me that she was definitely going to kill Shiro after she was done with Saber. Well, except she... When, except he, she... When, he, when he stepped in the way and intercepted the blow, she says, well, this is boring, and split, so... Yeah. I was curious. Yeah. I was you, sort you of like... More... You want more about that in the next movie, okay. and their relationship. Uh, yeah, yeah I'm in, I am interested to, like, because Sakura really isn't doing anything for me as a character. I find her kind of dull, so uh, what would help, what would sort of ameliorate that for me is if we did get more um, interactions with Ilya, because she kind of goes out pretty quickly in Unlimited Blade Works. Yeah. <laughs> like, we get, we get, like, a fight, we get a like admittedly really cool fight scene between her and uh rin but then like soon after that uh gilgamesh just ruins her entire day mm -hmm. i hate when that happens yeah no you'll get more Ilya too yeah um i like in general like i i enjoyed heaven's feel um i think the start of it is uh I think I, I think I enjoy the start of it a little less than I enjoy the start of Unlimited Blade Works, at least like the first half of Unlimited Blade Works, um, simply because there are some servants that uh, servants and masters that die um, almost immediately 
uh, in this particular route that I really enjoyed in UBW. Um, specifically, like, uh, uh, Media, uh, who's Caster, um, and uh, the monk who is her master. I really, really like them in UBW, and they go out like punks in this one to assassin. <laughs> um, uh, and I don't find assassin himself to be nearly as interesting. Uh, but there are other uh, other aspects of it that I really enjoy. Um, for example, like the really weird sort of like ribbon monster that like when it appears almost turns the show almost turns the th this thing into like a horror movie yeah they did do a real good job of showing that like to 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 the characters in the show like in universe the people in are genuinely scared of this thing and they yeah. don't understand what it is and are just afraid of it yeah, they do a good job of making it, like, making it like like an eldritch horror, where it doesn't seem like maliciously bad, but just based on its very nature, it is not good for like the sort of normal entities around it, and it is like genuinely terrifying. And I tensed up whenever I saw it like come on the screen. <laughs> yeah, they did a real good job of it. Because, like, taking it out of context, the, like, mushroom thing just looks silly. Yeah. Um, it, it's, like, it, it, it's a very goofy design, but they make it really work um, and be sort of like this otherworldly thing that can just annihilate you uh, <laughs> if it wants to. Yeah. Okay, uh, so the... The, so, okay, I'm confused about another thing here. Uh, okay, so, like, what was this assassin doing in the pre in the other routes? Why didn't he show up then? Um, okay. <laughs> the catalyst for this, for true assassin being summoned was Shinji getting his ass kicked that fast. And them losing Ryder initially. Um, oh. so, so, uh, um, uh, what's his so, name? Uh, um, his, so, like, is it Shinji's grandfather? Is that the bug guy? Yeah. Yes. Zoken. Yeah, so Zoken summons him, um, as the actual assassin, uh, for, uh, this girl war. And right, decides like, that he's gonna... Because, like, the actual assassin hadn't been summoned yet, the... Assassin we know in UBW was kind of a like pseudo servant that was summoned by media, right? Correct. Okay. Okay, that's. I'm actually kind of impressed. I remember that much about UBW. I did know. I did remember that. <laughs> uh. But yeah, that makes sense because like <laughs> one other very satisfying thing about uh, Heaven's Feel is that. Shinji gets wrecked even harder in his first appearance here than he did in UBW, where, like, Gorgon... I believe it's Gorgon, right? Or is it Medusa? Medusa. Medusa, okay. <laughs> Medusa uh, just loses. Yeah, like, Medusa shows up, she's like, oh, I'm... 
uh, it's like, oh, I'm going to be super badass. Got these cool chains. Then she rushes, rushes uh, Artoria, and Artoria's just like, nope, and just annihilates her, like, stomach. Just fist. The, the sound effects that they have for Artoria's fist impacting uh, Medusa's torso are... It's real wicked. <laughs> like, yeah. it sounds like it hurts real bad. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. So. Uh, and, and, it, and, and like, it's, it's one of those scenes where, like, as sort of the original Saber and kind of like a very kind of stoic Saber, um, Artoria tends to be a little more boring compared to the other Sabers. Uh, so it's nice when she gets these moments where you're like, oh yeah, Saber's like super badass, actually. <laughs> yeah, 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 there's a reason the Saber class is considered to be the strongest. Which is, which is actually kind of funny, because in Fate Grand Order, they're largely underpowered. <laughs> but oh well. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, that was a really cool scene. Um, as was like the fight between... Um, uh, Lancer and Assassin actually. <laughs> I uh, like the e highway scene. Yeah, oh. even, even though I don't like Assassin all that much, uh, his fighting style does make for good action scenes. Well, yeah, I and like as a character, he's just not he like he hasn't got much going on, but his his, yeah. his fights are like really exciting and like and uh, very tense. Because it's like, yeah, like yeah. Well, of course, Lancer gets owned eventually. Because, well, yeah, because Lan Lancers, Lancers and Fate can never catch any breaks. <laughs> yeah, what? Uh, Lancers and Fate have E rank luck for a reason. Uh, but right, okay. but then right, uh, yeah, but then he actually gets the better of Saber, and uh, that. That was a pretty, uh, that was a pretty big moment. Yeah. Largely, largely because he, like, he wins both against Saber and Lancer, uh, because he manages to sort of lure them into, um, the weird ribbon entity, um, and, uh, I, I also like the fight, I don't tend to, uh, Shiro is... Less annoying than he is uh, in UBW um, in Heaven's Field. Um, I don't know if that's going to change because he started out okay in the first half of UBW before getting terrible. Um, but I did genuinely enjoy his fight scene with the Bug Grandpa. Um, and the fight scene that uh, Saber had with Assassin was also pretty fun. And, and it was like a really neat fighting environment with like sort of dilapidated shack in the middle of a swamp uh yeah perfect uh, and, place. and saber's solution to surviving was also uh interesting and and sets the stage for saber altar which we've only very briefly met in uh the ubw storyline where she is uh only momentarily controlled by media or Media, however you want to say Caster's name. 
At least if I if I'm remembering that correctly, I'm pretty sure she briefly becomes an altar virgin after uh, Medea stabs her. Uh, yeah. Like I said, uh, it's been a while since I saw UBW. Uh, <laughs> um, I vaguely recall that. Uh, but right. But yeah, I am. I'm excited to see Saber Alter. Um, I'm excited to see more stuff from Ilya, uh, cause I think she has, like, a good character concept, we just didn't really get much of her in Unlimited Blade Works, um, I didn't really talk much about Sakura, because she's, she's not really much of a character right now. Yeah, that's the she's thing, I, I think, she's, yeah, she's I mean, a romantic little girl. Sakura really needs to step it up. Because otherwise, you know, compared to Rin, she's just uh, she's going to fall short. Yeah. Uh, she'll, she'll get more development in the uh, the next movie. Yeah, well, I'm hope yeah, I'm hoping for that. That's that's good to know. Um but yeah, like overall, um you know, it's uh, uh overall like I liked Heaven's Feel. Um, I was a little skeptical of it just because I knew it was going to be sort of a more Sakura-focused route. Uh, but I've, like, I enjoyed the fight scenes that happened. I um, have enjoyed some of the twists, uh, uh, some of the differences um, in the route, uh, sort of the different things they focus on. Um, so, yeah, like, I, uh, I, have, I had my issues with it. Um, with some of the changes just not being quite as interesting as uh, the stuff in UBW, but it definitely has potential, and I'm very interested in seeing the the sequel movies. So, um, yeah, I think I'm going to give it a four. Yeah, I'll give it a four as well. I need to go with the four. Would the four be with me? Uh-uh. What about you, Aaron? I really like the fight scenes. I think they did a good job. Something that they they haven't done since Fate Zero in showing that the fights between servants are fights that humans can't get involved in. Yeah, that that is definitely true. Like they are genuinely <laughs> forces of nature, and it's one of the things that I really hate about Fate's the Fate Stay Night itself is that it makes it seem like normal humans can fight on par with the servants and they shouldn't be able to. And the only reason they are in Fate Stay Night is because the plot demands it to be so. Yeah, I I think this is I think that's definitely something that's communicated by the sort of um part of the Assassin Lancer fight that takes place on the highway where like they're just well, Lancer is just running at incredible speeds, Assassin is like chucking cars at him. Uh, a poor Dodge Viper got annihilated. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I think uh, this sh- this uh, movie more than um, some other uh, you know fate fight scenes does a good job of showing just just how uh, super powered the servants are in comparison with um, even masters. Yeah. Like, e- even Rin, like, being a, you know, very good mage, still can't hang with the more powerful servants. 
Well, which, uh, well, yeah, well, well, that's the thing. Like in previous iterations, like her magic basically had no effect other than delaying things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the I, biggest I, problem I, I have with Fate Stay Night is them showing Rin and uh, Shiro fighting on par with the servants, which is absurd, considering like other things that are said about the servants and how powerful and fast they are. Yeah, like doesn't isn't that what uh, I can't remember? But isn't that what like Shiro does? Um, like, doesn't he fight against? Well, first of all, he fights against like himself. Uh, yeah, somehow. he fights against Archer, and he fights against Gilgamesh. And yeah, Gilgamesh as well. Which Gilgamesh like Berserker, and it, it's like it's, Shiro Shiro against like. Um, uh, his archer form is a stretch enough, given how much more developed his archer form is. But Shiro against Gilgamesh was like the real big stretch. Yeah, it... <laughs> like I said, he wins by convenience of I'm the main character. I must win. <laughs> yeah, it makes a whole lot of sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Whereas, like in this show, like Rin doesn't even really attempt to fight. Uh, against the servants and the only times when Shiro ever gets involved he just gets his stomach cleaved open by Berserker <laughs> yeah that was a real cool and nasty shot yeah I was like whoa he dead <laughs> no, uh, I also button. I also did really like the visual of uh, sort of uh, puppet media just summoning like a giant Spirit bomb, essentially. <laughs> I, I do love that. And so can... Well, yeah, this won't kill Saber, but it'll kill her master, so good enough. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, Zokin's like, all right, screw this. <laughs> it's gonna throw a big sun at you. Um, gotta give respect to someone who's that straightforward. Uh, but yeah, uh... Anything else you want to say about a fate, a Stay Night, Heaven's Feel, Presage, Flower? Um, I think I've said all I need to say. Yeah, I found it not boring. <laughs> all right, so in that case, um, let's go ahead and finish up with uh, FLCL Progressive, Episode 6, the uh, finale to this uh, uh, first part of the FLCL um, sequels. Well, um, well, the, alter train, well the, the next one, Alternative, is just going to be a, a, like, a new story with new characters. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, shall we say the train wreck continues? Man, I did not like this finale very much. Um, huh? no, I I could have found a better ways to screw it up than they did. I kind of like it. Um, it, it there were parts of it that were like visually interesting and like uh, a couple like lore building parts that gave me something to think about. But <clears throat> there, I feel like the story arcs as they as they were ended, the finale didn't really feel earned to me. Um, sort of like the the one I would use to sort of uh, give as an example of my primary issues with how this series played out 
um, is sort of the introduction of Conti um, from the previous FLCL. Uh, and it's like, yeah, okay, neat callback to that show. Hey, cool to see Conti again. But what ticks me off about that is that there's this whole thing about um, uh, Hidori like making a decision to take off her headphones. Hidomi. Uh, Hidomi. And Haru Haru is like, oh, you gonna do it? You gonna do it? Um, sort of like taunting her. And she, it looks like she's about to, but then she loses her nerve. Uh, but then, like, Conti wakes up, like, uh, Hidomi talks to her mom, and then Conti just, like, crushes the headphones himself. Uh, well, that wasn't just Conti. Uh, at that point, Conti was inhabited by Ide. So, it kind of worked. Cause, but still, like, that that's another problem where, like, Ide is the one who gets to be proactive and Yudomi is the one that's just reacting to things happening to her. And that was one of the things I th- was hoping they would fix with the sixth episode. And instead, like, the final act that should have been Hidomi's to do is done by Ide instead. Well, um, he... Well, okay, by taking off her headphones... You know, he basically, he gives her a chance, and she runs with it. Uh, so, in terms of, like, you know, the agency of the characters, it's more balanced. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't necess- I don't think I really agree with that. I, I think it would have been a lot better, especially with the scenes that had happened before, uh, if Hidomi had been the one to take the headphones off herself um because at that point like she should be the one who chooses to transform um not just have that happen to her and then have her go like okay i guess i'm doing this then um because that's what it felt like to me Mm. uh and that sort of typifies my like just overall opinions with the show in that I don't feel like enough was done with really any of these characters to earn the the endings that happened. Um, not with Domi, uh, not with like the sarcastic plant girl, um, not even with like Ide, who probably got more development than even Hidomi, the like uh, the supposed main character did, um, and I don't even know what the heck they were doing with Haru Haru. Uh, yeah, I just, all all the, like, all the wrap-up they did just fell completely flat for me. Because, like, it, it didn't feel like, like full and proper character arcs. At least not to me. So, the train wreck arrived and it fell off the track for you. Yeah, yeah. it did for me, too. I don't know. I enjoyed it. It was, like, structurally, it was kind of messy. Uh, kind of, yeah. But I didn't <laughs> But I didn't mind it. I was just like, because I was sort of swept up in the moment. Yeah, I mean, there are certainly things to like about Progressive, and, you know, I'm 
I'm probably sounding harsher uh, on it than I like actually truly feel about the series as a whole. Uh, it's just that after episode five, I was really hoping that um, episode six would really turn things around for me and fix some of the lingering problems I had. And it just kind of didn't do that. And, and in some ways leaned into the problems I had already had with it. Um, so like, I, I don't think progressive is a bad show at all. Um, I just think it's like not as good as it could have been. Like, it is a perfectly okay show. But with FLCL, I kind of expect more than just kind of okay. Hey, the only, the only <laughs> thing I enjoyed about this episode is Jiro came back. Uh, Jinyu, you mean? Whatever. Oh, Jinyu, yes. Yeah, Jinyu whatever. did come back, which yeah. which made me happy. But also it was like, okay, but why? <laughs> like, I like that she came back, but also I, I don't know why that happened. Uh, I, I think she came Haru back Haru's whole thing is body. just... Yeah, I think she came back... Haru to Haru's body. whole thing is just so confusing to me. I think she came back to be Haru's... Uh, close friend uh or like super ego yeah i i still don't entirely know like what haru haru was going after and why just beyond like the proper name she gives things like i know what the thing is called that she's chasing after but i don't know why she's doing it i don't really know what her motivations are and I still don't really feel like I have a good grasp on why uh, she's such a dick. <laughs> well, okay. Is that... No, it's actually... Her motivations were spelled out pretty clearly. Is that uh, she's after Adamisk. And uh, she's in love with him. But she's in, like... The kind of love she has for him is one where she wants to control him. Yeah, I mean that that's clear enough, but like why is she in love with him? Like who is who even is this guy? Why should I care that Haru Haru like is so desperate for his affection? Because like at the very end, like the way that scene is framed with Adamus leaving uh, Haru Haru behind and Haru Haru being devastated and like being comforted by Jinyu, that scene is framed as like being emp as like empathetic for Haru Haru, like yeah, she's done bad stuff, but you know, there there is empathy to be had for Haru Haru's situation. I don't feel that at all because I don't know why Haru Haru cares so much. Uh. uh. Like with with Hidomi and Ide. I get it. Like, I saw them meet. I saw them, like, have, like, have these experience to get, experiences together. I saw them, like, like uh, uh, gain affection for each other over, over the course of the show. I get why those two care so much about being together and about being separated by Haru Haru. I don't... Uh, but then that's paralleled by Haru Haru's own obsession with Adamisk, and it doesn't work at all, because I don't have any context for that relationship. Uh, I would call yeah. it extremely one-sided, for sure. Well... Oh yeah, definitely, but... Yeah, it's, it is one-sided. Uh, but, 
mean, yeah, Adamus isn't really a character. Yeah. Um, oh, which, which, is, fact, which is definitely the problem, because, like... Well, even in even in original, even in old-school Fully Cooley, Adamus wasn't really a character. Well, yeah, but it didn't matter back during old-school Fully Cooley, because it wasn't really about that. Um, well, it's Adamus not really was about, really... not really about that this time, either. Yeah, it is, though, because they're, unlike in Fooly Cooley, where there was a, the focus was on, um, sort of, uh, 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 oh god, why can't I remember his name? Nauta's, uh, like, own development and learning, you know, what it means to be an adult and to have adult relationships, there wasn't really that parallel between Har Har and Adamisk. There is now... And it's even more direct because it's being directly compared with the relationship, the like the more actually more adult relationship and more mature relationship and more healthy relationship between Ide and Hidomi. So it, it I would argue that it absolutely does matter more uh, in progressive far more than it ever did in the original Fuli Kuli. Um, so, to me, like, yeah, I didn't care about Ad- Adamus just kind of being a plot device um, in the first series, um, but I do care that he is just a plot device in this series, if that makes any sense at all. Uh, okay, well, I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah, um, I don't know, it's... Again, like, <laughs> I'm being so harsh because I was really hoping that uh, Progressive was a show where I could be like, yeah, it totally lives up to the original series. Like, it's a show that, it's a series that everyone should watch. It's great. And it was just kind of like, fine. Like, I, I don't regret watching it. Um, but it I'm still glad I watched it, if, if only for Jinyu. Uh, but also just because I think there are some interesting things that it tries to touch on. Um, but ultimately, I don't think it really capitalizes on its storylines and character arcs uh, as well as the original Fuli Kuli did. Uh, yeah, I think... Yeah, the original Fuli Kuli was more, I think, thematically focused. Uh, yeah. It, uh, whereas this Fuli Kuli is... It's, it's sort of more sprawling and messier. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think there was a little too much going on in Progressive, like to its detriment. Um, so I, I'm I'm gonna give Progressive. I'm gonna give it a three. I'm gonna give it a four. I think I I, I mean I. I, 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 I I'm going to give the last episode a two, and then the series maybe a four. I was not impressed at all with the last episode. Uh, you were going to say something, Ben? Right. Okay. So, but I do appreciate that, right, that it wasn't that, like, like they did a new Fully Cooley, and... Like they didn't just retread the old one; they tried to. They added new things, and some of those new things didn't work out. 
but I appreciate that they tried them. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's one of the reasons why um, why it's worth watching the show, because, yeah, it's not just a retread of Fooly Cooly, and yeah, like, there are some callbacks, but it's not really... The, the original show is not really the focus. They, they do try to do new stuff with it. Uh, they, do, they do take some risks. Um, and while I don't think they entirely succeed, I do at least appreciate that they, you know, went for something. Um, instead of going, like, a, a safer route. Uh, so, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Alright. Uh, Alright, uh, anything else to say about progressive well i'd like to lead into the next one it'll be interesting to see how how or what it ends up being what i also appreciate is uh is uh it yeah it didn't just take it didn't just like uh you know try new things with its story and themes and stuff it also tried new things with its visual styling like you know like they like they like they did all kinds of like, like like different parts of it had like were in like new and different art styles, which were kind of all over the place, but still look cool. Oh, do you mean like the um, in the dream sequences? Not just in the dream sequences, but like they did like in like for instance, in, yeah, like yeah, they're like each of the dream sequences had a different art style, which was like cool in its own ways, but they also did, like, a play on, uh, a play on the, uh, like, they did, like, a sort of a variation on that moving manga style, uh, that the original series had in a couple scenes. Uh, like, uh, I think it was in episode five, they had, like, uh, they, they showed, like, you know, they explore the relationship between Hidomi and her mother in that kind of moving manga style. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Also, the, uh, the, the dream sequence at the beginning of episode five was like, it had, had that, was in like that kind of like, like, that like sort of, uh, kind of, uh, semi-abstract painting style yeah i i did really enjoy the dream sequences i i wish they were incorporated a little bit better into the main story but i did really like those Mm -hmm. uh anyway um yeah i believe that'll do it for uh flcl progressive um and that'll do it for this episode of baka cast uh um Okay. Any ideas what we're so, going to try for our next? We're going to cover for our next episode. Uh, Larry suggested Hinamatsuri, uh, uh, which I think would be a good suggestion. I agree. We should. I. Uh, I. Uh, I think we should definitely cover that. Yeah, uh, I'm also going to suggest we uh, watch the um, Godzilla movie um, that came out uh, that was done by um, the same studio that did um, uh, Knights of Sidonia. Okay, where is it located? Uh, so that one is on Netflix. If you don't have Netflix, I'm sure there are plenty of other ways to acquire it by now because uh, there's 
there's been plenty of time, let's say. Uh, and actually, uh, let me see here. Oh, is the second movie out already? Okay, yeah, so actually there the the second part is out already, so that's that's convenient. So uh, I don't know if we want to watch part one and two or just part one and then do part two later, but yeah, I, I think it'd be fun to uh, watch that Godzilla movie. Godzilla. Uh, if I can uh, anyway, yeah, if I can find it, yeah. I'll uh, check it out. Yeah, it's um, the second part is Godzilla City of the Edge of Battle. What's the first one called? Uh, give me a second here. Godzilla devours Tokyo. <laughs> uh, Godzilla Planet of the Monsters is the uh, first part. Uh, okay. All right. Well, we uh, can. I, we can... Yeah, I'll, I'll link to it in the Discord chat. Okay. Um, we'll we'll uh, we'll go at it in a little bit here. I think we're done. Yeah. And yep. You, uh, you, we you, are done. You guys say bye bye, and then I'll say bye bye. Uh, yeah, if you'd like to leave any comments or questions, um, uh, please do so uh, on either projecthardy.net or uh, audioentropy.com, uh, or you can also send us an email at bakacast at projecthardy.net, uh, or you can tweet me at stillsthegm. Or you can tweet me at deathslinky. Or you can find uh, me I'm... on the website. <laughs> you can shout into your browser and Larry might answer it, it, you. It, it's, it, no, it's called uh, uh, Discuss, and sometimes it just works, and sometimes it's Discuss. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, thank you uh, for joining us, and Ben. Dustin. Three, two, one. Kinnabosh. Keep watching anime. It, uh, it's good for the soul. Bye-bye. Oh,